on Rogue Quadrant. When Rancors attack, inappropriate use of the Force, the virtues of General Han Solo, gifts from friends, Luke's not that good, and always a bridesmaid. <laughs> This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue 6, standing by. Rogue 7, standing by. Rogue 3, standing by. Listeners, welcome to a very special episode of Courtship of Princess Padron. This is Mission Six, Season Nine. <laughs> I was waiting for Heath to say something. Nice. 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 Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but six um, plus t- nine only makes six, fifteen. Did you almost say sixteen, Danny? I almost said sixteen. <laughs> Don't worry about yes, it. He did. Yes, he did. <laughs> he <laughs> sure did. <laughs> Due, due to a case of incredibly poor planning, we are actually doing the rest of the chapters of Courtship of Princess Leia tonight. So that is chapters uh... 22 through 27. I don't think we ever told you, but I hope you just either aren't reading the book anyway or already finished the book. I was going to so. say, according to my informal Twitter poll that I took today, people either didn't make it past chapter 6 or read this book in the 90s and considered that sufficient. Which is really too bad. They're just like reliving it through us. Right, yeah. It was really good flirting in those later chapters. Yeah. And the song. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, a quick reminder of your host, because I know we've been away for a couple weeks. If Danny Rogue Six was a Winter Olympic sport, he would be figure skating, because even with zero expertise, he can score the skaters better than the official judges can. (laughs) (laughs) What? I don't get it. (laughs) Um, so i am actually really into competitive figure skating so the judges have been pretty crappy on like not judging people fairly and evenly across all of them and danny you always made all of those tweets about how you know nothing but you're still judging them and oh that's going for gotcha i got it yeah so it's 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 like a mansplaining thing yeah okay yeah i'm good at i'm good at that yeah yeah Okay, great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got that down pat. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Wait, Meg, let me explain to you how you could have made this intro better. <laughs> I feel like mom Meg. is mad. Meg. <laughs> Heath, Rogue 3, would be curling because he likes it best when they yell, HARD! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So true. I could never play that sport. (laughs) (laughs) Saf Rogue 7 would be the skeleton because all in, head first, can't lose. (laughs) Oh, that's so true. (laughs) And, sorry, someone's home. Um, And I'm Meg, Rogue Leader. And I would be Chloe Kim because she's amazing. And also, I stop paying attention to important things to tweet. (laughs) Good. (laughs) (laughs) Like right now. 
Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. Da- Danny. Remember when I was nice to Danny earlier? It's over. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Is Danny alive? I'm still Danny? trying to think of a question. Oh. <laughs> well, let's go with this. All right. Well, speaking Typical of Danny. <laughs> speaking of, um, I don't know. I have a question about Han Solo, Solo, A Star Wars Story question. Um, we None of us care about this movie, clearly, based on our inability to discuss it in previous episodes. So let's talk about the Rebels finale, which was this last weekend. Sure, um, haven't seen it. Actually, let's not talk about the Rebels finale, but let's talk about... We've no, talked about I our have... dream live-action TV show, but what would be your dream animated TV show in the vein of this podcast? The vein of this podcast? <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> um, like, I guess X-Wing is the only possible. <laughs> okay, wait, no, I have an answer. So, or like an adaptation of the courtship of Princess Leia. <laughs> how about, how about a, an animated show about Tonin being king of droids, though? Yeah. There you go. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It has to be animated. Well, yeah, we already talked about live action. We all agreed that the live action show is an X-Wing version of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now we're talking about if if it was going to be an animated... Well, because we know there's going to be more animated shows. So... Mm-hmm. Well, then I want an animated X-Wing version of BoJack Horseman. Oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we said the same thing in very different ways. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you want that? Why would I not want that? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my god. Um, can I have a I would want okay, 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 but listen. I would okay. want a series about Corn Horn, but done in the style of him discovering his force powers as if he was a magical girl. <laughs> <gasps> oh my god. So he's gonna have it like um why can't I remember his droid's name? been so long anyway like his droid is his like kicky animal sidekick and then he has to do transformation sequences whenever he wants to use the force whistler and like yeah whistler and i'll just be it'll just be great i love it can i redo my answer i have a better one yes please redo your answer (laughs) (laughs) do you you remember the show recess yep yes okay it's that but at luke's jedi academy oh my gosh (laughs) that's cute that's what i want i just want droids obviously (laughs) So my favorite animated show is the Magic School Bus, and I'm trying to figure out how to translate that into Star Wars. Uh, Jocasta No way. (laughs) It would definitely be Jocasta New as Miss Frizzle. She hates fun though. (laughs) I feel like the opposite. Exactly. And that but that's like that would I feel like that's a good like I don't know. I think that would make it funny. Hey kids, like all the kids, we're gonna learn about outer funny, space but today. She's just like a stickler, you know. Right. All the kids are like, "Let's go on a field trip," and she's like, "Don't yell in the library." <laughs> right. Yeah. Read your book. <laughs> but she she ends up like teaching them a lesson anyway. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Into it. All right. Well, Lucasfilm, call us. <laughs> we we've got ideas. <laughs> we're clearly just so many. oh, our <laughs> cup runneth over <laughs> with animation <laughs> ideas. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Speaking of cups runneth over, let's get into these last chapters of Courtship for Princess Leia. All right. cups, I mean, Isildur's cups, which are huge. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
Mm-hmm. I had so much caffeine. Oh my gosh, everything's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I had like three coffees today. Oh no. <laughs> Has yeah. anyone ever marketed red solo cups? What, what? are you talking about? <laughs> Wait, what did but you like, just say? But like solo as in like they've got Han on them. What about them? Yes. Yes, people have marketed them. <laughs> no, it's happening. So yeah, Solo yeah. is on the list of like It is literally happening. That Lucasfilm yeah. is Solo partnering. and Solo cups are a thing. Oh, it's gonna, that's it's gonna be real. Yeah. Lucasfilm, call me. <laughs> is that really what's gonna happen? Honey, they already made the call and it was to Solo at <laughs> the company. <laughs> Honey, they already made the call. <laughs> it was not to you. <laughs> Oh, no. Okay, okay, okay. All right, I see how it's going to be tonight. (laughs) Okay, so remember that something happened when we were last together. It doesn't really matter. It's been a while. Oh, they had a bunch of awkward, like, romance talks. It was weird. That was every episode. Yeah, but it was the one between Luke and Tenennial, and Luke's like, we don't have a future, and it was weird. And Luke was played by Michael Gambon in this episode. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and that Han was a, had a deep cut Harry things. Potter reference right there. <laughs> Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Double door said calmly. We're never getting through this. <laughs> so everyone has a fresh new attitude. Tenennial's now riding with Isildur, Han with Leia, and Luke is forever alone with the droids as it should be. Here, here. They hurry, yeah, they hurry through the last of the forest to the base of the mountain, and the forest is like literally on fire, clouding the skies with smoke. Luke and Tenennial hear Ogwen call out for them to hurry through the forest, and Luke has to lead them around the mountain to make sure they're far enough away from the Night Sisters before they start climbing. In the dark clouds and smoke, Gethzirion's face appears above the mountain. Tenniel says not to worry, she's just trying to frighten them, and Han says that it's working. <laughs> just like a weird party trick. Right, like, <laughs> That's fine. like, oh, she does that all the time, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> she just wants attention. Yeah. Her face Basically. up in that cloud up there, it's fine. She's just, just ignore it. Just because the just... horse is burning and stuff, don't worry about it. <laughs> Luke tells Tosh, the Rancor, to get her best climbers and take the others up the mountain while he stays there with Tosh and her daughter to fight. Luke tells Han to get the droids, everyone else, and the supplies to the Falcon. The most important thing for him to do is to fix the ship, but Han wants to stay behind and doesn't really like it when Luke tells him it it won't do any good. (laughs) I think I missed the part where suddenly the Rancors are just totally commandable. (laughs) Yeah. They're like pets all of a sudden. Right. They're just totally fine. No, they were friends. They bonded together in the caves, and then they used tools and stuff. Don't worry about it. Okay. To- totally believable. Yeah. Yes. Sold. <laughs> Leia scolds Han that they have to go. The Night Sisters want the Falcon more than anything. Han has to agree, but in his heart, he hates leaving his friend behind. Really, his boyfriend behind. This is really that really should have been the story in this book. Leia tells him no heroics, but Luke knows that if they ever needed a hero, it's now. Oh, no, that's not a good sign. <laughs> really not. It just does not turn out well. Luke. Um, Luke goes with Tosh and her daughter to take out the nearest Imperial walkers, and they find a camouflage set up and start wrecking stuff. Unfortunately, it costs Tosh's daughter her life, and Tosh goes on a grief rampage to murderize the rest of the Imperials. 
That was a really graphic part of this book. <laughs> the night sister there, no more than 16, starts singing to fight off Luke. And Luke stops her by choking her, which should probably be a sign, and begs her to promise him that she'll leave the night sisters. She nods and he lets her go, but when she falls to the ground, she uses force to knock away Luke's lightsaber. And he grabs it and he shoots her through her hand. And when she sinks to get Luke's lightsaber to attack him, Tosh comes up behind and crushes her into people jam. People jam. Yeah, it's jam made out of people. Yeah. Delicious. Tosh grabs Luke, who's injured and howling in pain. Tosh is injured and howling in pain. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And they head up to the mountain. Leia and the others are waiting for them in the valley, and when they see them, they take off toward the fortress. While the rest lug the supplies up to the Falcon, Luke runs up to the Warrior's Hall to answer Ogwen's urgent call from them from over an hour ago. The sisters have been doing a reading to figure out Jeth Zurion's position and strategies. She's placed troops all around the mountain and expects they'll just be able to swarm over any barriers they meet. Luke knows that they can do it. Many of the Night Sisters are unaccounted for in the plans, so they have to be extra careful. Luke goes out to the balcony where the other witches are waiting. It's almost dawn, and Ogwen asks if he has any advice for them. He says to use their powers only in the service of life to protect yourself and those around you. But they've given the Night Sisters enough warnings before this, and Ogwen will show no mercy. Tenennial comes up beside Luke and holds his hand, saying she'd do more good here than bothering Han and the rest while they worked on the Falcon. She just wants to be with Luke. Who among us does not? I was like, uh. (laughs) (laughs) Rather than any speech, it's Ogwen who announces the Night Sisters are coming. They walk out of the forest chanting and a storm starts up, dropping sand and dirt and wind over everybody. The Night Sisters come up and the battle starts. Luke jumps over the balcony for some reason. And he meets just Zurion. Because he's the hero. What did Leia just tell you? (laughs) (laughs) She says that she had always wanted to meet a Jedi, and here she passed one in her own halls. He calls out to her to turn away from the dark side, which, come on, Luke. Did you really (laughs) think that was going to work? Good luck. And she tells Luke that she is not impressed with what she's seen. (laughs) (laughs) Hello? Yes, hi, this is Luke. I just wanted you to turn away from the dark side. Okay, bye. She's like, what? are you even doing? (laughs) She says it's too bad. He's going to die before she tortures his friends. Jeez. She's evil. Luke. There's actually like this really sad version of like future Luke who like he managed to get Vader to turn from the dark side. So he spends the rest of his life just being convinced that that'll work for anyone and never turning a single person from the dark side ever again. Yeah, that's real though. It's just like, why doesn't this? It worked for all. I had to do was tell him that he would see the light, and he did. Why doesn't this work for anyone else? Uh, he kind of brings Kip back. Uh, let's not talk about Kip. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, nerd. spoilers. Wow, <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> she points a finger at him and hits him with the force, which utterly smashes and stuns him. Luke realizes that blood vessels in his brain have burst, and he's definitely going to die. That's he a realizes, realization. Yeah, that also he's a big dum-dum, and that <laughs> he never had a chance of defeating these witches. Can't believe he died twice in this book now. So far. <laughs> right. Third <laughs> time's the charm. Keep killing him off. I still, like, I still really want there to be someone who, like, was reading this book 
without any other knowledge of the EU. And like at all of these times was like, oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> like that, that is how Luke went. <laughs> no. When this book came out, did people think that like Luke was dying in these points? I mean, I don't think so. Also, like outside of the context of whatever else is going on in this book, like that's not a terrible way to go. Like be like no. being force blasted by an evil witch, like pretty decent death. It's not the worst death, like especially because you know he's doing his Luke thing, trying to turn her from the dark side. It could be people jam, right? Yeah. At least he didn't get eaten by a rancor yet. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they have to do something with the bodies at the end. At least he didn't just lose the will to live. Oh, shade. <laughs> So they are working as fast as they can to fix the Falcon, but Isildur is not very confident this is going to work out. <laughs> yeah, same. You might it say feels he has a bad if... feeling about it. Nope, that's not what I said. No. It feels as if the mountain is ready to implode. Even Chewie's hands are shaking in fear. Isildur hears a voice shout, Jazerion, I found them, and turns to see a night sister. He tries to shoot her. She deflects it. Seeing Isildur is so pretty, she just might keep him. Chewie rushes her and pulls off her arm faster than anyone can see. Isildur <laughs> is able to shoot her once she's in shock about losing a body part. I, I, just, <laughs> I, I love when the EU reduces characters to like a single line from the movies. It's like the only way Chewie can defeat someone is to like de-arm Rip her. his arm out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's he mad. Do. He mad, okay. Chewie is unhappy, mostly because... He dropped one of the bolts that they need to, like, fix the ship. And Isildur tells him to go inside and get more. The stone walls from above them burst open, and Isildur yells for them to go and save themselves, and shuts the hatch of the Falcon. He knows Mother Rell's prophecy is going to come true if he stays there, so he makes for an exit. Unfortunately, he's met with a night sister who knocks him out. <laughs> Buddy. Nice. Back in the Warriors Hall, Tenenia watches Luke jump over the balcony, but doesn't go after him because that's a be a dumb move. She runs down within the fortress where she knows children and the sick are stuck. She goes with Farah and Kirana T, and Farah unfortunately gets her neck snapped halfway down the stairs by Night Sister. It's really gross. <laughs> Tenenia uses her anger again, and without singing, uses the winds of the forest to pound and whip the Night Sisters away. I feel like this is a fair time. To be angry okay. and kill people, considering her, like, sister witch pal just got her neck snapped in front of her and these people are trying to kill all her friends. Like, this seems like a fair time to get mad and kill people. Right, like, yep. absolutely. Yeah, I kind of want, like, all the other characters to go away and to Neniel and Tosh to just, like, take everyone out. Right? Like, let them do their thing. Yeah. Kirana T is crying at Tenennial in shock, and when Tenennial asks her what wrong, what's wrong, and she also calls her a weakling, which probably she shouldn't do, uh, she <laughs> yeah, realizes... Don't, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. She realizes she burst a blood vessel beneath her eye, a mark of the Night Sisters, and realizes she murderized in rage, which she promised Luke that she would not do again. Uh-oh. Um, he's not gonna want to make out with you anymore. He didn't want to anyway, so who cares? No. <laughs> Without thinking, she runs up to the through the warrior's hall and into the fortress. She heard the Night Sisters singing spells and knows they're here for the Falcon. When she gets there, she sees twelve Night Sisters singing and sending the Falcon into the storm on a force cloud, which sounds actually pretty comfortable. 
Another night sister is binding Isildur because who can resist that tasty morsel of a man? <laughs> right, <laughs> my favorite like, thing about Isildur we can't let this is one go. Like, <laughs> my favorite thing about this one is him constantly just getting like <laughs> tied up because like, he's hot. Yeah, these night sisters and like witches just being like, "You're real hot. I want you as my husband now." Like constantly. Right. Imagine being right, that like, good looking. Yo, look at that. Look at that. <laughs> oh, look at that. I'm gonna breed him for sure. Like, I'm, oh, oh no. <laughs> I'm glad they've um swapped out the, the sexualization here. That yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of considering how much they talked about uh, Danielle's breasts when she was being healed. <laughs> I'm at least glad that uh, and her back <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad that the sealed door gets a lot of sexualization too by these ladies. He gets even more sexualization by us though, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right all right all right yes let's but we're see. doing it in a respectful way yeah because i would definitely like bob your pexy sealed or bob him <laughs> that's how he's gonna escape the binding he's just gonna like juggle his jiggle his pecs way out i don't know <laughs> we wouldn't have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you and your meddling pecs <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i feel like we need distraction it's sort of like i have a plan i have a plan it's my titties. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Isildur, that's always your plan. We need a different plan. <laughs> right? It's like, the night sisters fell time. for it. Didn't work last time. <laughs> the night sisters knew. Uh, let's see, where are we? Tasty morsel of a man. Got it. <laughs> Tenennial <laughs> night fight them all. Where are <laughs> we? Where have we been this whole time? <laughs> Tenniel knows she can't fight them all, and even if she interrupted their spell, the falcon would just tumble down the cliffs. So she focuses her energy and tries to get a message to Leia to fire the engines. She steadies herself and runs in, using the force to levitate Isildur and bowl over his captor. She grabs him and runs, shielding him with her body as the falcon's engines alight, burning the Night Sisters and flying off into the brown smoke. Only one Night Sister survives, stunned and burned, and tries to crawl to safety. Leia flies the falcon through the storm, circling the mountain. They can't fly above it because then Warlord Gabor will be able to pick them up on their sensors and shoot them out of the sky. Han rushes in to tell Leia she can't do this, but 3PO interrupts, saying that all the coolant is emptied into the hyperdrive systems, which doesn't really do them any good right now. They spot two dozen Night Sisters on a road with a bunch of Imperial walkers. Han launches his proton torpedoes at them, hoping the shielding of the falcon will survive the blast. When the dust clears, they see Han has struck a major blow, taking out some of the Night Sisters' most powerful witches. Tenniel sits up in the empty room and sees that the forest storm dies down quickly, and sees that the sunrise is leaving a golden seam in the sky, which they repeat like three more times at the end of this chapter. She crawls to the wounded Night Sister, who looks frightened with her burned lungs, and Tenniel promises not to hurt her, already having done too much evil herself today, and grants her enough of her own life force so she'll survive. I was... So I was like, I swear to God, if she dies saving this lady because she got mad and killed people who were trying to kill her friends, like, I was ready to riot about this book. I'm glad that I didn't have to. Yeah, I was going to get real mad. Yeah, I was real ready to be real pissed. 10-year-old Meg was real mad about it. (laughs) (laughs) So Han thinks for a moment that he won, but then the darkness blossoms. One by one, spots in the sky go black until they're surrounded in total darkness. Only the burning forest lights them up. Leia asks what it is, and Han says it's something far beyond the power of even the Night Sisters, as he looks up at a ceiling of perfect night. No, you just closed your eyes again, buddy. <laughs> That's, no, this is Han. This is Han. Oh, this is Han. Okay. <laughs> Han doesn't have force visions. 
<laughs> yeah, that's it's just him closing his eyes too. <laughs> I mean, they're all, aren't they? <laughs> Han sets the Falcon down, not really sure where they are. He asks Leia where Isildur is, and she replies that she doesn't know, and she thinks the Night Sisters got him. But he's not sure if that means he's captured or he's dead. She says he shut the door to save them, and then her and will run to get him. I want to end the book right here and just believe that Han and Isildur lived happily ever after. Han and Isildur? Yeah, that would have been a great twist. But Han, okay. <laughs> if Han and Isildur fell in love with each other and lived happily ever after... Oh, I see, because of his concern for Isildur. Right. I got it. No, Han is really into Luke in these last few chapters. It's true. Mm. But they're also, like, really pushing the bromance between Han and Isildur. There's a lot of backslapping. Yeah, stuff. it got, like, really gotta make, heavy Gotta make perfect. that ending believable here, so. It got really flirty. Yeah. We'll talk about that later, though. Han knows how hard this must be for her. It's basically a human sacrifice. He says they're going to grab the med kit and go back to make sure he's okay. Leia mostly circled the mountain so they shouldn't be too far away, while Chewie and the droids stay here to repair the ship. They were actually very close to the mountain, and they see Imperial troops and Night Sisters running away from the fortress. They rush up the stairs and see Tenennial sprawled over the body of a Night Sister, both still breathing. Leia rushes over to Isildur in the corner, and he's snoring and just asleep, completely unhurt this whole time. <laughs> she wakes him up, and he's an idiot. And he says something like, wow, what a beautiful face to wake up to and kisses Leia in this moment. Yes, you do. Like, Dude has the read worst the room, timing. Buddy. <laughs> read the room. Han looks over and shouts that they have work to do and to really stop <laughs> it. <laughs> I just, I hate, I hate, I hate it. I just hate it so much. <laughs> Can't imagine why. Oh. <laughs> Ogwin limps in and sees them and sends for a healer. She explains Jeth Zurion has run into the night on her hover car. Over a dozen are dead, several are missing, and so is Luke. A few of their common folk are injured, which is good. And they also recognize it's the darkness that really turned the Night Sisters away, not Han's torpedoes. Tenennial is taken care of by the healer. And when she reveals she gave her life force to save a night sister, the healer shuffles off, saying she doesn't have the talent or desire to service. Leia's real mad about it, and she thinks that she can just keep butting in in these people's problems. And they bring Tenennial and the night sister down to where the rest of them are. In the end, Ogwin's tired of listening to Leia and consents to heal the night sister. And Han kind of regrets it when they do, because she looks like she's ready to kill them all. Leia is really worried about Luke. She can't feel him anywhere. She has to go look for him, but everyone stops her. She can't go out there when the Night Sisters are still close enough to do harm. This is like Aren't you- they pulled a bait and switch on me where suddenly, like, I'm not feeling awkward secondhand embarrassment for Han constantly, but I'm feeling it for Leia. Mm. Mm. Yeah. What a what a circle this book has gone. <laughs> that is. That is it's one been shape. a real journey. It's been a real journey. <laughs> it's been a it's journey. It's been something. Well, <laughs> R2 comes in and shows them a hologram of Warlord Gabor and just Zirion talking. He explains his night cloak as a chain of satellites blocking out Dathomir's sun. He tells her that she'll deliver Han to him today and he'll take down the night cloak. If she doesn't, he'll leave it up. The next day, it'll start snowing. 
In three days, all plant life will wither, and in two weeks, the temperature is going to drop down to 100 degrees below zero, and everything on the planet will die. Honestly, I was reading this during a really, really hot, humid summer day, and I was like, God, this sounds so ideal right now. No, see if. <laughs> it was really hot, and I was sweating a lot, and I was like, can, can Warlord Gabor come, like, no, <laughs> watch it like, no, at New Zealand? A night cloak over there. <laughs> It was just really hot. It is a testament <laughs> to the author that he was able to tackle the very, um, he was able to maneuver the very complicated subject matter of like colonialization and um, indentured populations and slavery and all those things. And now, he, you know, since he's covered all that so well, he's going to tackle environmental issues too. Like it's just really admirable. Did you say col- colonialization? Colonization. I feel like you said that wrong. He did. Or maybe I'm listening wrong. I think you're both wrong. <laughs> Fair. I'm just saying, the way that he very deftly tackles all these very relevant issues to society is just something else, you know? Faithful's real subtle and nuanced brush. <laughs> yep, that's this book. She asks if he considered their offer to him for their service. He says he regrets he can't find a suitable position for them within his organization. Desirion asks about outside the organization that if he lets them leave, she can pick out a, he can pick out a star cluster for them to have and rule. They promise not to bother him again. Their fingers are definitely not crossed behind their backs. <laughs> Everything. Yeah, fine. yeah, totally, totally trustworthy. These two people. <laughs> he offers to send two ships, one armed to the teeth and one completely disarmed. Jethzerion will bring Han to the armed one, and she'll be alone. And then when they leave, he'll send in the unarmed one and the Night Sisters can take that one and leave to the planet of his choice. It'll go down in four hours. The hollow goes out and they all agree that Warlord Gabor is a bad liar and is definitely not going to fill his promise. The gang figures out that the Night Cloak isn't actually a great weapon. It's a chain that can be pretty easily taken out with one or two satellites break and it still allows communications to be sent through but it's still perfect for a planet like Dathomir that has limited technology the Hapes fleet will arrive in three days but they can't wait that long the plants will die and they won't be able to recover there's no oh already said that whoever is going to take out the satellites <laughs> is basically going to commit suicide Han looks at his seal door and asks if they should draw straws Leia's against this but they don't really have a choice. Han looks toward the door, hoping Luke will arrive, but he can't depend on a Jedi now. Leia knows he's thinking about Luke, and she starts sobbing, saying he isn't here anymore. Han tries to comfort her, but he's at a loss. Han is hit with a Force vision, dozens of prisoners in Jethzerion's Imperial Jail being rounded up. He watches them get murdered by the Stormtroopers as if he was in Jethzerion's body and doing the killing himself. She speaks to him, saying that 50 are dead, and she'll round up 500 more if Han doesn't surrender himself. She'll meet him at the foot of the forest in an hour. She knows he's a compassionate man and won't let this horror happen. Han runs out of the fortress of the Falcon. Leia and Isildur run after him, thinking that he's running, like, away. (laughs) Which, wow, rude. I mean, kind of fair, but also rude. No, it's super rude. When Han sees them, he tells Isildur to get the sensor array window, and they need to get the Falcon flying again. Isildur runs off. Han explains that the vision, what the vision was, and apologizes for ever bringing Leia here, knowing it's all his fault. They're fighting against New Republic General Han Solo. 
Leia thinks he's running away, but then Han connects the radio to the Imperial frequency, telling the comm officer at the prison control he's surrendering and he'll meet the Night Sister she sends. Just don't kill another prisoner. He adds in that his companions were killed in the battle at the fortress. Leia tells him he can't do this, but this is all he can do. He goes into his bunk and reveals a secret stash of particularly nasty weapons and grabs a thermal detonator powerful enough to destroy a large building. He tucks the bomb down his pants, which, great, and hides it in his shirt. He asks Han, well, nope, that's, that's Han. Han asks Leia how it looks, but she can't respond. Han comforts her, telling her that she was the one who told him he had to grow up. He's being General Han Solo now, hero of the Rebel Alliance. He's going to take Jessiriana and her night sisters out. Isildur will have the chance to take care of Warlord Gabor, but Han admits that he's a good man. Leia made a good choice. She's shocked, not realizing she had even made a choice yet. Deep in her heart, she'd been waiting to see if she still loved Han. But she did choose Isildur out of necessity. Her people needed this, the New Republic needed this. There was no other path for her to take. I, whenever, when I was reading this, uh, I just had a flashback to when they're like in the closet or whatever and she just like completely forgets about Han and just makes out with Isildur. Right? Um, what? I said right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like she's like, oh yeah, I did it out of necessity. It was for my people. I'm like, mm, duh, was it entirely? You were definitely having a little bit of enjoyment of that hot bod. Yeah, yeah, like, like you're like, oh, your tongue is now. Like, I wish I wasn't hurting Han, but just I really want to kiss this guy right now, and I'm like, okay. Leia basically right. just had like a month long bachelorette party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like Leia. You were like, all of my feelings for Han were slipping away like mist. Like, come on, <laughs> don't even. <laughs> also, who talks like that? Leia. <laughs> <laughs> She tells Han he looks ready, and he kisses her as fiercely, as passionately as possible. She kisses him back, feeling her own passion for him well up, especially as she sees Chewie looking at them mournfully over Han's shoulder. Which is, <laughs> what not a weird creepy at all. Right Does she need Chewie to watch? Like, <laughs> uh, don't we all? Yeah. Don't don't kink shame here. Come on. I just—it has never been brought up in any of the other literature. That really- Chewie's always I- just off to the side whenever they're making out. Oh <laughs> Again, who among us? <laughs> me, me among you. I, me, me. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, that's that's something for everybody to think about. Um. Han pulls away, but he doesn't let her speak. He goes to Chewie and says goodbye and gives him a hug before he walks out. Leia follows him and calls out to him that she did like some of the things about him. She liked his ass. <laughs> she literally says she likes the way his pants fit. <laughs> yep, she did. This. Oh, yeah. Like this part, I can totally see Carrie Fisher <laughs> playing this part. <laughs> right. Gosh! Like this almost sounded like the the scene from The Force Awakens between the two of right. them. Yeah. yeah, when she's like, "I hate to see you go, but I love to watch you leave." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some parts of it were good, right? Mm, yeah, some yeah. parts. Some parts are real good. <laughs> your D. Um. Yes, thank gosh. you, Meg. Yeah, you're welcome. He smiles and says he knows before he starts walking again. Leia stops again, but isn't able to tell him the truth. But Han says he knows again. 
he knows that she loves him. He's always known. And he turns around and runs away into the shadows. It's like, I know, I know. It's our thing to say, I know. So I'm just going to keep saying, I know. Basically. (laughs) Chili and 3PO come out for her, but even 3PO is unable to come up with anything to comfort her. She wishes she had Luke by her side. Speaking of Luke, (laughs) he's laying on the ground, watching the battle rage overhead. He can't move, feels his life drain away, but he hears Tenennial's voice calling to him and telling him that the Jai never die. I'm glad that rhymes. And that nature cherishes them and looks after them. A dead clan sister lands beside him. Jeez. And as he watches her, he feels himself expanding, feeling the life of the force all around him. A salamander comes up to him and opens its mouth, where a white mist comes out and it strokes Luke's face. <laughs> this is the kind of force stuff I'm here for. Yeah, I love it. I love the idea of like a man-feeling <laughs> force lizard. The lizard says it's a gift. A light that strengthens Luke's life and force powers. A bush above him does the same, calling him friend and giving him life. A rock nearby does it too, and even across the plains, one of the blue desert people lends part of its life to Luke. Luke hears Tenennial again, saying nature cherishes the Jai, and he's not sure if he's doing something with the force or if it's doing something to him. He can grasp the strings of it more easily now, and he realizes there are so many more levels and meanings of control of the Force than he had ever imagined. His vision ends, and he hears Leia call him through the Force, but he can't move yet. He sees someone with a torch run toward him, and it turns out to be Han. Wow. Lucky. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) Han runs to him, so happy he's alive. He holds Luke's hand as he asks him to take care of Leia for him. Luke can feel his terror, but Han pulls away, saying Luke can't help him this time. Han runs off, and Luke feels himself swirling in darkness with his departure. After a bit, he feels hands start to pick him up, weird, and sees a group of peasants. Han tells them to take him back to the Falcon and runs off again. Luke finally rests. And that was the time he really died. (laughs) <laughs> that's what that's what I mean by rests. Yes. Good. Just just make sure we're on the same page here. Let's see. Isildo goes back into the fortress to the room where the Falcon was to retrieve the sensor array window. He sees Tenennial there sitting in the darkness and crying, which is a big mood. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> who among us? <laughs> yeah, who among us? <laughs> she asks Isildor if he's getting ready to leave, and he is. She also has to leave, go back into the desert. She has to stay there for three years to cleanse herself because she killed in anger, violated her oaths, and is at a risk of becoming a night sister. Isildur tries to comfort her, but he's real bad at it. <laughs> Honestly, it doesn't really matter that his fleet is arriving in three days. The planet will still be covered in snow, species will die, and who knows if the crops will ever come back after it thaws. Real optimist, her- that one. <laughs> He offers her the empty space on the Falcon, and she can go anywhere out there. But where would I go? Tenennial said. To all those stars out there. Isildur said. Just pick one out of the sky and go there if you want. I don't know what's out there. Tenennial said. I wouldn't know where to go. You could come to Hapes with me. Isildur said. And he even knew as he said it. That he wanted nothing else. He gazed at her long hair, at her bare legs. At this moment, even with all the craziness and death on this world, nothing else that happened on this planet was more important than her pain. 
at this moment, even though he was nearly engaged to Leia. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> that is he was not like how it about works. About eighty-six percent engaged to Leia. <laughs> <laughs> he craved nothing more or less than to put his arms around Tenennial. Tenennial looked at him angrily, and her eyes flashed. And if I came with you to Hapes, Hapes, whatever your planet's called, what would I come as? An oddity, the strange woman from backwater Dathomir? You could come as a bodyguard, Isildur said. With the Force as your ally, you could... Tenennial <laughs> frowned at the thought. Or you could come as an advisor, a trusted counselor, Isildur said, thinking frantically. With your powers, you would be my greatest asset, Wink. With the Force, you could penetrate the subtleties of my aunt's plots, frustrate their plans. Isildur had not considered it before, but as he thought, he saw that indeed she would be a great asset, Wink, to his people. He needed her. And what else would I be? Teneniel asked. Your friend? Your lover? Isildur swallowed. Ugh. Knew what she wanted. <laughs> on on Hapes, <laughs> she would be considered. He would. He a, would. <laughs> on on Hapes, mm. Isildur swallowed. Knew what she wanted. <laughs> on Hapes, she would be considered a commoner without a title or inheritance. If he married her, there would be public humiliation, embarrassment. He would have to relinquish his title, let one of his murderous cousins take the throne. The welfare of the Hapes' worlds hung on his decision. He put his hand on her back, hugged her goodbye. You've been a good friend, he said. Then he remembered that by law, he was still her slave. And a good master. <laughs> I wish you nothing but happiness. He got up, retrieved the sensory array, win array window, Looked back, Tenennial sat watching him, and Isidore had the creepy sensation that she was looking through him, reading his thoughts. How can I be happy if you leave me? Tenennial asked. Isidore did not answer. He turned his back, began to walk away, and she said, You've always been such a brave man. What will you think of yourself now if you turn your back on the woman you love? He halted, wondering if she had read his mind or if she was just reading his emotions. Can you hear Can you me? Hear me? Oh. oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear me? He asked Danny's silently. Like really into this reading. But she did not answer. <laughs> he thought of her lo loving personality and her brilliant <laughs> mind. Just kidding. That's definitely not what he thought of. JK. Uh, what he's thinking about. <laughs> he thought of her long, naked legs, of the earthy smell of the hides she wore, of her Jeez, copper nice. eyes in a color unlike anything he'd ever seen among hapen women, and, of course, most importantly, those full lips he wanted to kiss so badly. Why don't you do it? Teneniel asked. I can't. Isildur said, refusing to turn and look at her. I don't know what you're trying to do to me. Get out of my mind. I've done nothing. Teneniel said, her voice frank, innocent. You're the one who has done it. You and I are connected. I should have realized that in the desert when I first saw you. I knew immediately that you would come to that spot looking for someone to love. Just as I had. And I've felt that connection growing stronger for days. 
You can't fall in love with the Witch of Dathomir without her knowing it. Not if she loves you in return. You don't understand, Isildur said. If I tried to marry you, there would be public disapproval, repercussions, my cousins! Isildur's blaster crunched in its holster and sparks flew from it. This is not a metaphor. He looked down, <laughs> saw it crushed into a ball, then looked up and saw the anger in Tenennial's eyes. A wind whipped through the room, tearing tapestries from the wall, lifting stones in a cyclone. The wind carried the stones and tapestries through the breach in the wall, sent them flying down over the cliffs. I'm not afraid of your cousins or public disapproval, Tenennial said. And I don't want your planet. Pick a neutral world for us if you like. She got up, sauntered over to him, and stood before him, looking up into his eyes. Her breath whispered against his neck, and she leaned close to him. The very touch of her felt electric. Isidore's heart pounded. Damn you! He whispered fiercely. You're making a mess out of my life! Tenennial nodded. <laughs> she put her arms around his neck and kissed him, and in that endless moment, he remembered being with his father. Oh my god, he's just <laughs> like Corin! <laughs> no! Perish the thought! <laughs> Oops! <laughs> He remembered being with his father at age nine, playing in a virgin ocean. This is not a metaphor. Andrina, an uninhabited <laughs> world in the Hades cluster. And Tenennial's kiss seemed as clean as those pure waters, washing away his doubts and uncertainties. I've never read a more terrible paragraph in my entire life. <laughs> he kissed her fiercely, backed away. Let's go. We're in a hurry. Tenennial grabbed his right hand as if to help hold the flashlight. What? And they ran together <laughs> down the fortress stairs. Oh, also she's holding not that a flashlight. Huh? Also not a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> Wink, wonk. Ooh. Ugh. I'm sweaty just oh. from reading that. <laughs> <laughs> but not like the good kind. <laughs> nope. It's, it's not a good sweat. Not a good sweat. It's a bad sweat. Oh my gosh. You Come should on. probably have said that first. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Luke is brought to the Falcon to Leia. She thinks he's dead when she first sees him, but he smiles weakly at her, telling her that he heard her call to him. Leia explains Han went off to turn himself in, and Luke says he has to go stop her and Leia and tells Leia to wake him in three hours. She says she will, but Luke knows she's lying to him. Isildur calls him friend, which is weird, and Luke makes them promise again that they'll wake him, even though Leia still doesn't believe he'll be able to help them so soon. Leia calls R2 and 3PO out and asks R2 how many Star Destroyers are up in the sky. There's some complicated droid magic happening, and they figure out that the sensors are actually working fine. Beep boop. It's that the Yeah. It's that the Nightcloak actually makes them as if they're a cloak ship and blocks any of their sensors. So if they fly under the Nightcloak, Warlord Gabor won't be able to know their movement and can't shoot them out of the sky. They're going to go save Han, but after Luke wakes up. Han is being taken to the hover car into the city prison complex. They didn't search him, and Han thinks they're just so sure he can't do them any harm they don't even bother. They wait for several hours, just Zerion hasn't appeared, and the four-hour deadline has come and gone and still nothing. The hover car also makes a couple two-hour trips to bring more Night Sisters back. After the third trip, the two carriers finally appear and land nearby. They bring Han over and out steps General Melvar. He goes toward Han and slices a gash down his face with one of his platinum fingernails. 
Okay, the best thing about those nails is that you could, like, do any, like, manual labor and not break a nail, and I'm extremely jealous. Yeah, right? I'm just, I don't understand. <laughs> this is, like, the most defining aspect of this character in this book. Like, why didn't Alston use this more? <laughs> like, Seriously. Why, why was Melvar's fingernails never once mentioned in the entire trilogy that he wrote that was the prequel to this book? They sure were. I'm pretty sure they were mentioned, just they not did. as much. Yeah. They were mentioned, like, but he wasn't like a like this. They weren't mentioned in a way that stands out in my mind. Is like when I before when I thought of General Melvar, I did not immediately think of fingernails. If no, I read this book and this Melvar. book alone, right, okay, yeah. so maybe it's your fault for distracting me. Yeah, it's true. I just feel like a bigger like with a, how big of a deal they're being made of here. I'm just surprised it didn't come up more before. Okay, let's see. Um, yep, platinum fingernails. He calls in and says that he's made visual confirmation that is indeed Han Solo. Melvar, oh, sorry, Melvar flirts with Han. <laughs> I'm sure I could convince Warlord Gabor to let me demonstrate my talents more full and at greater leisure. Oh. <laughs> Gross. As they walk up the gangplank, Desirion finally arrives and tells them to wait. Han is ready to use a detonator, a little disappointed that all he feels before he's going to die is numb, disheartened regret. However, when he pulls the detonator out of his pants, which sends Melvar and his troops ducking, he finds it doesn't work. One of the Night Sisters had found it and disarmed it with the Force before they even boarded the hover car. Jezirion kills Melvar, R.I.P., and all the stormtroopers pretty much instantly. The other Night Sisters rush up the ramps of the carriers and kill all those inside. Jasirion then tortures Han, promising she's going to break all of his bones, so he'll, he'll have triple the number of bones when she's done. That's so many bones. Yeah, what a I weird was so way to torture someone. Yeah, making him do maths while he's like <laughs> being tortured. Wow, rude. That's the <laughs> rudest part of it. <laughs> do you know how many bones you have? No, no. Well, it's triple. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what? One bone? Wait, triple. It's just one bone? One becomes three, so all my bones become three. That's a lot of bones, no! I'm gonna have so many bones! <laughs> Don't do it! <laughs> He's some kind of bone monster. Now that, I've worked out, now that I've worked out the math, I don't want this. I don't, I don't like this anymore. Bring back Melvar. As she's hurting him, he sees the falcon in the distance over her shoulder. He tries to stall, but he really hands it up. Oh my god, he has it up so he, he was like, Oh no, not my not my teeth. Not my teeth. <laughs> Which like, dude, bad call. I don't know bad. about you. I would rather have Githzerion break bones in my body than the molars Ooh, that was described bad. here. <laughs> like yeah, we've moment, seen because I have like real bad jaw pain. Um and just the thought of like that but worse? Oh no. Hard. I mean, have you any of you ever chipped thing. a tooth? Like when the Yes. When the nerves are exposed, it is the most excruciating pain. Like, oh, I hate it. I hate that feeling. <laughs> I'm sure, like, just sit, break his fingernails or something. Like, at least, I don't know. Oh, God, no, that's bones. just as bad. Oh, no. It's okay, they don't bones. I'm going to have to no. censor this episode so hard. Oh. Uh, no. <laughs> like this we're gonna like, have to have a content warning on this episode yeah <laughs> body mutilation i mean this is just like i mean like we've seen a lot of weird and and creepy uses of the force in the last few months but man breaking the molars in half is probably Ooh. the worst yep. shattering them Sh Shatt yeah mm. yeah 
so many teeth now. I'm not going to be able to use my teeth for days. I'm really glad this didn't make it into the Clone Wars as a thing. Oh, jeez. All right. Thankfully, incredibly accurate blaster fire forces Jessurion to jump away and scurry up into one of the carriers. Han is shocked because no one can fly the Falcon like that, not even Chewie or himself. The Falcon blasts into the prison, dropping off Ogwin and a few other clan sisters to take care of the prison guards. Han crawls toward the hatch, and a Isildur goes down to meet him and half carries him up. He asks who's flying the ship, and if it isn't Isildur, and he's shocked when Leia says Luke. He literally just yells, Luke is not that good. <laughs> Han drags himself off into the cockpit and sees Luke controlling everything with the Force, including some of the guns down the hall. Unfortunately, the Night Sisters are still too tough and end up even avoiding the concussion missiles Luke sends at them. He tells Leia and Isildur to go into the gun towers turrets to constantly pour fire at them. They need to make sure the Night Sisters aren't unleashed to the galaxy. Han realizes Luke's plan of weakening their shields and getting Warlord Gabor to know that the witches are escaping. The fleet above the Night Cloak is certainly powerful enough to keep Jazurion from jumping to hyperspace and to destroy her. They watch as the Star Destroyers destroy them and quickly dive back into the Night Cloak and toward the planet. Luke insists that they need to destroy the Night Cloak and save the lizards and grass. Luke. Precious. Save the lizards! Han is really not about this life, but Luke is in charge, and Luke says what goes. I'm on team Luke on this one, just for the record. Yeah, me too. I'll save those lizards. lizards. When Han looks at Luke's serene face, he realizes it doesn't matter. They owe him their lives, so he's ride or die. <laughs> Luke flies up into the darkness, picks a spot, and fires. He does this for over 20 minutes without them seeing any changes. Even 3PO probably one of Luke's biggest fans, comes over to ask Han if they're accomplishing anything. Han is fine with it, though, and even turns down 3PO's advice to take back the controls. With one more sal salvo, the Nightcloak short-circuits, and they're flying in the stars again. They see that it wasn't just Warlord Gabor deploying all of his fighters, but the entire Hapen fleet is above the planet. They send out a bunch of pulse mass generators, ensuring that no one can leave for 10 or 15 minutes. They're going to win this altercation or die. Why not both? Why not? Mm, let's not do both. That's, <laughs> That's really not the goal of the situation. Luke accelerates into the battle and hones in on one of the Star Destroyers. It's Iron Fist. And Han asks Luke if he can take the helm because this one is his. Luke asks if he's sure and Han says, yeah, but Luke can help him at any time. They flirt a little bit more after that. There's some space. Oh, space battle. It's been so long, space battle. Han gets in under Iron Fist's shields and takes out the tractor beam. He then goes up to where the bridge is and uses his spy stuff from Chapter 2 to send a priority red message to Warlord Gabor. When he answers, Han tells him to kiss his Wookiee and look out of his viewport. When Warlord Gabor sees the Falcon, Han sends his last two concussion missiles right for him. Now that the command part of the ship is down, the Hapens are able to destroy the rest of it. Han pilots away, telling Chewie to take over the controls, as he's come to terms with killing Warlord Gabor and ending the constant struggle he's been, well, he has been in while war warring with him. Leia comes up and starts massaging his shoulders because that will make everything feel better. And at least he feels relieved. They also imply some mean stuff about sharks, which let's not even go into that, because sharks are too good to be compared to Warlord Gabor. 
Agreed 100%. Yeah. Fully agreed. When they start doing that, I was like, nah. No. Too far. It's like when they kept trash talking snakes in The Last Jedi. Yeah. Like, snakes are great. Yeah. Sorry, Heath. I freaking love snakes. They're the worst. Sorry, Heath. (laughs) The literal worst. I will just stay out of the conversation. Fair. (laughs) I mean, if you'd prefer for your house to be overrun with rats and mice, that's fine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's just like absolutely. <laughs> so let's see. As the rest of the crew come up to the cockpit to celebrate their victory, Leia tells Han he won. He thinks she's just making him feel better because he knows he hasn't won the war. She explains that no, silly, she's he's won the bet. She's fallen in love with him again. Han says it was stupid, and he never would force her to do something like this, and releases her from the bet. Leia retorts that she doesn't release him, and smooches him hard, making Han whole. I guess. I, I guess wish it was that easy to make someone fall in love with you, just kidnap them for like a week, and almost get them killed multiple times, and you know, they're in love with you. It's fine. I've I'll been doing you. dating very wrong. Gotta get kidnapped. You just... <laughs> Steph, you got to get a rope, and you have to do a dance around them. And then if they take the rope, they're yours. Good plan. I'll do that next time. Yeah. Please videotape this. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Isilda watches them kiss, which, okay, bro. And although this entire ordeal is going to be a cluster F of embarrassment on Hapes, ha- he's happy for them. His comlink buzzes, and it's Captain Astarta. She explains that after she jumped away from Dathomir, she fed their route to the rest of the fleet, and this subsection was able to shave some parsecs off of their trip. Queen Mother Ta'achum will arrive the next day with the Olanji fleet. They're receiving surrenders, and Isolder is temporarily commander of everybody, I guess, and he orders for them to destroy the Imperial shipyards and only accept unconditional surrender. He says they'll depart from Dathomir in two days, which is enough time to evacuate the political prisoners and anyone else who wants to leave the planet. And what that a hero's journey he's chapter. been on in this book. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. The next night, sisters from all of Dathomir's clans are invited to the Singing Mountain for a feast. Queen Mother Tachum is there, looking annoyed, and Han is amused by her bad manners. Han presents the deed of Dathomir to Agwin, and she cries. The golden jewels promised to Hana brought to him, even though he definitely forgot about this part. He tries to f- refuse, but Awen won't have it. Leia whispers for him to keep it, that it'll pay for their wedding. But he really should probably use it to make decent repairs on the Falcon. He won't, though. And maybe also, like, offer some to, like, the old Iranians, maybe? Oh, oh, hey! Hey! Yeah, just, just saying. Because, like, that was kind of what started off this book, was that, um, hey, Hapes was willing to give them a whole bunch of stuff, as well as a planet, you know. I mean, he yeah. could at least just, you know, be like, yeah, I like, may not yeah. be a king, but, like, here's some stuff. It could it could probably go a long way for, like, that terraforming thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Bring it back. And it's just like, we could pay for our wedding. Hashtag don't forget about terraforming. <laughs> Never. Never. How could we? <laughs> Do you know how many like disappointed DMs I got like after the episode aired? Because I got a lot. Oh, you what? What were people no, like, disappointed like, about? No, no. Like you'll be like, Seth, how could you say that? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's I different. Like, something else too. Like, <laughs> I, no, no. People my mind disappointed. Much grosser direction. No, no. Yeah. People, People disappointed in my like my my brazen dialogue. I don't know how okay. to explain. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
That's much better. I That's was like, yeah. much better. <laughs> no, no. Who they are, and I'll kill them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Isildur, probably also the type to wear white to a wedding, stands up to <laughs> make an <laughs> Oh, this oh it's so true. <laughs> it's so true, though. So true. He's like, but I look really good in white. <laughs> You'll come in like almost nothing and just stand in his <laughs> pics, jiggling. And everyone's like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be like a white loincloth and then nothing else, <laughs> <laughs> except a bunch of gold jewelry. Oh my right? god, such an ostentatious boy. I really want to draw that now. Anyway, please do. He stands up to make the announcement that Teneniel will be his wife. Queen Mother forbids it, but Isildur points out that she's a princess with a world to inherit, lol. And he loves her, and he'll marry her regardless. Luke speaks up and calls Queen Mother out, telling her to remove her veil and tell Isildur who sent the assassins after Leia. He uses the force trick, and it works! Oh my gosh! Oh... Oh, she sent them, obviously, because she couldn't approve of his marriage because Leia is a dowryless pacifist from a democracy. <sighs> She'd ruin Hades. The but she thought. Didn't... Perish it. <laughs> Perish the thought. Okay, Mira. That's a deep cut. That's a deep cut. <laughs> but she didn't deny him outright because she wanted to keep her baby boy's loyalty. But a pacifist would ruin Hades. That's how they fell to the Empire. Isildur asks if she killed his former betrothed too, and she puts her veil back on and makes to leave. He continues, asking if she killed his brother too for being too weak to lead. She comes back with probably the best quote out of this entire book, which is, Don't ponder things you can't possibly understand. You are, after all, only a male. <laughs> I love that. That should be the tagline of this book. It really should be, right? Also, that's a longer way of saying, yes, yes, I did. Yeah, absolutely, sure did. Teneniel asks Isildur to let her reason with Queen Mother. He stops her and tells her that she will marry... She she stops her and tells her that she will marry Isildur, and she is no pacifist. If Tachum ever comes after her loved ones, she'll make her publicly confess her crimes and then execute her. The Queen Mother's guards reach for their blasters because... Threatening the queen is definitely punishable by death. But Teneniel uses the force to crumple them up in their holsters. When one rushes her, she force punches them. Isildur also mentions that with Teneniel as his wife, her grandchildren may have force powers. Queen Mother reconsiders and tells Isildur to dress her in something more appropriate before bringing her home. Isildur also demands they join the New Republic and she consents because she really just wants to leave. The next morning, Luke is hanging out with Ogwen. She tells him what exactly happened with the Chuunthor, that the battle was a standstill, and they ended up sitting down to talk, repulsed by the witches. <laughs> they got to keep the records of the wreck ship, but Yoda refused to teach them while they were still night sisters on the planet. Luke runs down to Mother Rel, the only person still alive from then, and she reveals the box of records. She says Luke will teach it to their daughters, and now that the night sisters are gone, Dathomir can start anew. Inside, there are more records than someone could study in a lifetime. Hooray! The colonists win. Hooray! Yay! Don't teach them their native understanding of the Force. Use your version. Explain yeah, it to them. Those those Jedi. Erase their culture. Sigh. Feels bad, man. Yeah. 
A hairpin shuttle comes up to pick Isildur and Tenennial. Leia cries for some reason, but Tenennial reminds her that they'll see each other again since now they're both in the New Republic. Han and Isildur stroke each other's dicks a bit. (laughs) 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 I mean, yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. And Isildur offers them to come tour the Hapes Cluster on their honeymoon. (laughs) Wink. Luke comes up to say goodbye last. He takes Tenennial's hand and tells her that she'll have a daughter first, who will be strong and virtuous like her. One day, the spoilers, Luke. Maybe she didn't want to know. Right. One day, she might be sent to him for training. To Isildur, he reminds him that there is light in him and to serve it. Isildur wonders how much his life has changed in the past few days, and he is moved. Six weeks later, flash forward. Luke is late to Han and Leia's wedding, even though he's the best man, because he was dropped off at the Alderanian complex, not the Alderanian complex. Okay, we need to have a long discussion about this. (laughs) You sure don't. Do we? The second to last page, he just drops in. Oh, by the way, there's an entire culture of insect people called Alderanians, and it's never (laughs) come up before now. (laughs) Yeah. Surprise! <laughs> when Luke gets there, outside of the hall, 3PO stops him and tells him that he's made a terrible mistake. The central computer has uncovered that Corol Solo, what a terrible name, was only a pretender to the throne. That's why Han was so embarrassed, because he knew it was all false. Luke says he'll help, and what he does is flip 3PO off and lock him in the closet. Nice. <laughs> he's helping. When Luke goes in, the wedding is in progress. Chewie looks good. Leia looks over at him, at Luke, and not at Chewie this time. <laughs> Leia looks over at Luke. But he's still there. <laughs> sure is. Looking watching. good. Uh, and she's just happy that he's there, more confident, and he senses that she's more confident and joyful joyful than she has ever been in her life which is probably not true because she had the best parents so yeah and that's the end of this book we did that last scene was something yep Mm -hmm. that whole book was something the best man is late so he because he accidentally went to the alderanian thing then he stuffs c-3po in a closet and then Chewie has been shampooed and leia is having the best moment of her life because she's getting married, and clearly that is the pinnacle of Leia's existence. Yeah, I thought that was the pinnacle of every woman's existence. Yeah, basically, it's kind of crappy that three PO didn't get to go to the wedding. Right? <laughs> oh, he loves them so. I know. Much. I'm like, it's out so of upsetting. out of all the reasons, I'm glad this book isn't canon. I think that's the biggest. Yeah. <laughs> like, Everything else I will still take. Like 3PO should be at that wedding. He should be officiating the wedding. Yes. Yeah, 3PO deserves to be the officiator of that wedding. Right. At the very least, like the ring bearer, right? Yeah. I no, mean, should totally be the ring If you really watch Empire Strikes Back, it's clear that Yeah, it's... I was going to agree with that actually, Big. Sorry, Danny. <laughs> I was just going to say, if you, are, if you watch Empire Strikes Back, it's very clear that C-3PO's obnoxiousness is what truly causes them to get together. It is, though. It is. Of all people, he should be at that wedding. Yeah. Mm, so rude. He keeps getting disrespected like this. Honestly, he's trying his best. He was programmed to be annoying. He can't help it. I love how much of a droids rights activist Seth is. 
I also can't help it. Beautiful. Well, that, I'm I'm glad we got to experience that together. We yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad that was. All. I probably wouldn't have. I don't know if I would have read that book. No ever. One it was sitting on my shelf for so long. But I don't know if I ever would have touched it if not for this. Can Can we stop yep. holding hands now, though? Yeah. No. Um, never. Oh, just, I guess never. Staff's hand is so sweaty. Look, it's summer, okay? <laughs> You're the one who was sweating. <laughs> well, this just got really weird really fast. <laughs> oh, just now? Just, just now. now. Just now. <laughs> just now. Everything was normal up until now. All right. Well, what about some super normal listener questions? Let's do it. Last week, except not last week, it was like last month, we asked you... <laughs> How would you flirt with a witch of Dathomir, except you can't use the words young and hot or back missiles? We didn't answer this, did we? We did not. No. So my strategy is to go get a delicious morsel of a man and then <laughs> offer it to the to the witch of Dathomir I liked the most and be like, oh, we can share, but also please be my girlfriend. Nice. nice. Yeah. Bribery. 100%. Um, I would... Um wait until the heat of the moment and then start reminiscing about my dad. <laughs> Perfect. Cool proof, as we have seen. It works! Guess who's married? Yep. Not not me. What? Yep, but Cornhorn is. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, yep. And he sealed door. Yeah, true. Yeah. I, I would. Said, um... Okay. No, you go. Oh, okay. You go. Okay. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Sims lately. Um, so my... I've learned from The Sims that if you just repeat the same action over and over again, apparently they'll just fall in love with you eventually. So my plan is just to, like, finger guns at her over and over again until she decides she loves me, and then we're good. Okay. <laughs> Not <laughs> the worst games. strategy I've ever heard. <laughs> Video games are a totally accurate strategy for real life, definitely. Love it. I would take her to a Harry Potter-themed bar where we would get sorted into our Hogwarts houses. Oh, my and God. And then we would go... We would, then we would go see Wicked on Broadway, and then we would oh, come home and watch Hocus Pocus. Ew. Oh, I get it. I get it. I, get I it. hate everything about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that sounds fun, but also I hate it. <laughs> like, it sounds like a good night if I wasn't being like, you're... I, okay, witchy things. Yeah, hey, I'm into right. It's like, I'm like trying real hard, like, oh, you're a witch. What would you like? Oh, oh Wicked. Like? Yeah. Wicked. <laughs> Incorrect. Yeah. Uh, all right. We got three listener responses. <laughs> we, you had a month, people. <laughs> to be fair, we didn't remind you to we do were, it. We so. were all struggling a little. With yeah. This. So it's it's finally revealed. We, we have three actual listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Miller said, I would not flirt with a witch from Deathmere. Because I'd be flirting with a new Republic Starfighter Command Elite pilot. Maybe an Alderanian captain. Maybe an Alderanian captain, Ian. Oh, maybe an Alderanian. Why limit? Yeah. Why limit yourself? You into them bug people? Why not? Yeah. ZK421 said, I would woo a witch by constantly referencing how slender she is to everyone around me, whether they asked or not. (laughs) Solid. It's a good strategy. Raising Fangirl said my method would be to use whatever SAS method is and add my glistening pecs. <laughs> I'm mad because that would probably work better than mine because finger guns yeah. with glistening pecs. Much more impressive. Like Super it. impressive. Especially if you glisten the pecs in time with the with like the finger gun movement. Oh my god, just like yeah. sparkles. Yeah, just like sparkles. Pecs sparkles. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm into it. 
It'd work on me. <laughs> it would work on me as well. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We're a mess. We're a mess. Oh, no. <sighs> and then just for fun today on Twitter, I asked what was everyone's favorite part of this book since we all went on this journey together. <laughs> the only way to describe it. <laughs> a journey. Um, dinner leader said... I think it was the EU's first exploration of Force traditions outside of the Jedi-Sith dichotomy. Mm-hmm. While it had some missteps in how it handled the witches, I will always appreciate this book for opening up that avenue of world building. Hmm. I like good that. Answer. Yeah. yeah, that's a real good answer. Thanks, dinner leader. Nerf said all the erotic Rancor scenes. Which was every Rancor scene, FYI. Yep. Same, same nerf. All of them. All, all of them. them. Everyone. Especially the murderizing one. Yep. <laughs> Literary Hippie said, how badass Leia looks on the cover of the edition I have. Um, I have the wedding dress one, and it's still the same. Yes, she looks badass. Yep. Okay, yeah, I was wondering if it was the same one. Yeah, she looks real badass. She looks badass in every edition, let's be clear. Yeah, like, (laughs) obviously. Yeah, I love her wedding dress design, though. It looks real cool. Yeah, it's really good. And she also looks like she's going to, like, feast upon the man she's marrying, so. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Justice Turtle said that one of y'all's listener questions about it got me writing fanfic again. Aww. That's nice. Oh, that's so cute. Jay said, oh my god, what just happened in the show? (laughs) (laughs) Copy pasta. (laughs) It's like (laughs) double the font size. Anyway. (laughs) I just copy pasted it. I don't know. (laughs) Do you you have your browser set on like (laughs) extra large (laughs) Fun, Danny. What is? What are you doing with your browser? That that is what. <laughs> okay, enough browser shaming. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Jay said, "When I first read it, I don't know all the fancy gifts or something. Now, the return of our favorite nerd, General Malvar. <laughs> Great nerd voice, Eve. Thank you. I've been practicing for thirty years." Tom the fanboy said then the introduction of badass women rancor riding force users who weren't Jedi can we say badass are you gonna have to do a lot of editing Danny (laughs) Meg said dicks like four times I don't edit these episodes anymore (laughs) okay good I almost said titties earlier. <laughs> if, if iTunes there, wants to take us down, like that's fine. But we're on episode like seventy something of this show. Don't <laughs> listen with your kids, down. okay, people? The Don't worst that will happen is yeah, they won't take us down. Um, Tom the fanboys now is that the trope of Luke being horrible with women. <laughs> young Yoda was ruined for me by the Phantom Menace puppet. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. When we're talking about young, sexy Yoda, we're totally talking about the Phantom Menace puppet, aren't we? Oh, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. Yes, we are. I just imagine no. his long, flowing locks. We're talking about words. we're talking about Yaddle, basically. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> stop. No. My life is ruined. Oh, that's beautiful. And then, finally, and I think we can all agree on this, Suara said... That it's not canon. <laughs> yeah. We don't have a question this week because we don't know when we'll be back. <laughs> yeah, we should still ask a question because I want to know. Oh, Danny wants to know a question. Oh, da- Danny has a question. Danny, that font isn't big enough. Can you write it a little bigger? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How 
Oh my god! Great, great. I can really read it now. Thank you. I can't because it's moved on to the next page. (laughs) (laughs) This is amazing. Wait, don't we have to get about Bodies first? Oh yeah. Dinner later. Yeah. Dinner later. This turtle. Yeah. And and Ian, ZK, and Raising Fangirls for actually listening to real listener questions. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. All of you listening Bodies. Cool. Well, this week, and I don't know when we're going <laughs> to read these answers, but... We'll figure it out. Next the time question, that you hear from us. Next time on Rogue Padron, we will read your answers to this question. Tell us... Jenny, this isn't a question. <laughs> this is a statement. <laughs> Please Sorry. tell us? This I put a command. question mark at can the you, end. Can you tell us? What is your favorite fact about Alderanian culture? Alderanian, not Alderanian. Don't yeah. talk to me about how their planet blew up. That's the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah. Do they so also we'll... get up on trees and scream? I <laughs> like, really hope. I so. hope so. I, I hope really so. Hope we get something like that because I love that. I still remember that and think of it fondly. <laughs> so we'll get we'll get back to uh, these answers eventually one day. Hit us up on Twitter at Rogue Podron with your favorite fact about their culture. Find us at our website, roguepodron.tumblr.com. Email us, roguepodron at gmail.com. And subscribe via the Rogue Podron feed on iTunes or the Far Far Away radio feed on iTunes, Stitcher, FeedBurner, or Google Play. And also hit us up with a review and a rating because we love them. And we have a review from someone right now. Oh my gosh, this is great. What? It's five stars. I'm so excited. Yay, I'm so hungry. Mr. The (laughs) Hobbit. I'm so hungry too, honestly. Mm, I'm so in the mood for one and a quarter stars. I already love this review. It's like a normal Star Wars podcast, but actually good. Nice. <laughs> it's true. Nice. This is actually pretty good. The hosts are actually friends and they interact with the listeners in fun ways. The inside jokes are really funny. All in all, this is an amazing podcast. Pew, pew. Oh my Aww. gosh. But that's, that was- a, that's like a really nice review. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. The Hobbit. Yeah. I'm going to enjoy, enjoy the Star Wars immensely. Me, me too. We also have, like, a Twitter review from James Hewlett at J Hewlett. <laughs> hey, guys, I just wanted to let you know that since discovering Yola Xmas, I have listened since to every podcast and I'm about to start this week's. I fucking love this show. You are all awesome and so much fun to listen to. Aw, thanks, James. I do love the show. Daddy. I'm so oh, People are nice to us. Still don't know why, but thank you. Yeah, I can't <laughs> we're a noble Wars podcast, but actually good. But I actually love it. <laughs> Our Twitter bio. <laughs> we yeah. have so many things in the Twitter bio. <laughs> like a normal Star Wars podcast, but actually good. I think our Twitter, bio, our Twitter bio should just update with like the mo- like a quote from the most recent podcast review every time. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> oh, so I kind of dropped this super nonchalantly on Twitter, but probably only Jay and Danny saw. Um, but for Rogue Padrons. Next book. Wait, what? He, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Wait, we definitely Padres. talked about this in the DM, though, Heath. We absolutely so did. You we have were... no excuse. <laughs> definitely. I not. don't remember this. We will be reading "I Jedi" by Mike Stackpole. You Jedi. Me Jedi. They Jedi. Jedi. <laughs> he, I don't her, know how this game goes. <laughs> he him it. Wait, no. He her it. He she he, it. She they. He she it. He she they. Wow, Danny. <laughs> Anyway, yes, I Jedi. We're getting back to our roots, aka Cornmore. I see the DMs now. I see it. Yeah. Um, 
it's going to be great. This book is hilarious. There is one part in particular that I know everybody on this podcast will enjoy. And Wait, is yeah. this the Corin book? This is the Corin book. Oh, that didn't hit me till just now. Oh my god, this like, is going to be a fun ride. Corin horn, right? Like not the species a of Corin? Yes, Corin horn, a pilot. Okay. Exciting. Yes, so it's going to be a lot of fun. We don't have an exact date of when we'll be back yet. I'm anticipating sometime mid to late April. So look out for us on Twitter. We will still be on Twitter. We'll still be repping the Panera brand. Like, don't worry. We'll still be around. And you'll know. You pick two. You pick two. (laughs) And next time you hear from us, Meg is going to be living a whole new life. So wish her lots of good luck and positive wishes for a safe move across the country. Meg and yeah, I are gonna. Real. Meg and I are gonna be neighbors. Yeah, the next we're time we're, we're, we're still not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Danny and I are thinking that's not happening. <laughs> Oops, sorry. It's gonna be really great. Yeah. <laughs> so until then, this is Rogue Padron signing out. Nope, signing off. <laughs> Pash out. <laughs> signing out. Pash off. Woot 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 woot. This is the last time for the woot horns. One more round of woot horns, everyone. Woot 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 I miss those woot horns already. Yeah. I wonder what we're gonna get for I Jedi. Horn 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 horn. Dead 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 dead. Rogue leader signing off. Rogue six. Signing off. Rogue 7, signing off. Rogue 3, signing off. Oh my god. But my dad, gonna though. Make all, the, all the dads who listen to our podcast just break out in a cold sweat. Man, <laughs> yes. there's like totally missed opportunity to make a joke about how woot, woot horns are related to Corrin. Damn, the, the we did. Horn. It's okay, we can do that next horns. season. Okay, great. I'll, put, I'll add it to this the Excel spreadsheet of potential joke options for <laughs> yeah. the next episode. Perfect, perfect. Oh my gosh, that was great. Look, we finished another book. Yeah, we survived it. another whole book. Yeah. We've read six, no, nine books. How many books have we read? I don't know. Definitely it's, not. It's definitely not more than nine. six. We've read, we've we've read, read six? 69 books. <laughs> oh, it does you know, like... We're on season nine, so this is the ninth we're book we've read, ninth. right? This is the ninth book that we have read. I've read ten whole books. Yeah, almost ten whole books. I Jedi will be the big one zero. Oh, we should have a party. Meg, do you want to have a party? Yeah, let's have a party. <laughs> oh, I just remembered <laughs> I have to go now. You have fucking Skyping into the party as it's happening. <laughs> Absolutely Skype you into the party. <laughs> Bless. Meg, when are you actually moving? Um, so I take a red eye on the 15th, and so I'll be there at 7 a.m. on the morning of the 16th. Nice. Oh, my God. We're both going to be traveling on the 15th. Well, oh, we're so in sync. Do you want to get drinks at Soda Bar that night? Yeah, absolutely I do. Okay. <laughs> Should I just get Soda Bar all day? Yeah. <laughs> Saf, do you want to a- cry ourselves to sleep that night? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We'll, we'll be partying with this year. Yes, together. Well, we can. Well, I'll bring my laptop and we'll have a Skype date at the bar. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that definitely won't exacerbate the FOMO. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's definitely better. <laughs> definitely doesn't hurt as much watching this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. 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 For real though, Meg, we're behind you 110%. You're going to kill yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Very so much. excited for you. There's no one I would rather have moving very close to me. Okay, hang on now. It's <laughs> <laughs> This is like what I accidentally call Zach my favorite. I was yeah. I was trying to say a nice thing without subtweeting everyone else. <laughs> you, you failed at that. Just what there's, there's no rogue Padron host I would rather have. <laughs> <laughs>